Start your day the KUAM way with our new streaming shows on Facebook Live each weekday. Here's your starting lineup. Mondays, we'll give you a glimpse into our morning meetings with the KUAM news team. Tuesdays, join our group chat with Chris Barnett. Wednesdays, it's crime time with the island's law enforcers. Thursdays, get the latest info with Dave Delgado, who's in the zone. And Fridays, we get Fit AF, fitness and fun. And the best part, all our shows are completely interactive, so you're directly part of the conversation. Join us Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. Start your day the KUAM way. Hafiday, welcome to another episode of Real Talk, uh, where you can catch everything about new movies coming out and our favorite actors, actresses, as well as directors. Um, but before we get into today's topic, I just want to remind you, thank you to our sponsors, Tango Theaters, where you can watch Detective Pikachu this weekend, the real-life Pika- oh, really? uh, Pokemon They're movie, so right? Cute. Yeah, I know. And that's Ryan Reynolds plays, um, he plays Pikachu, and Pikachu talks. Because, you know, in, like, the, in Pokemon, the cartoon, Pikachu only ever says Pikachu, right? Like, all the Pokemons, they don't talk. They just, they just say their name. But this one, Ryan Reynolds plays the voice of Pikachu. So is it going to be, speak. I'm assuming if, if Ryan Reynolds is a voice, then it's going to be witty. And Are they going to kind of yeah, do see, yeah, they, they, the Lego movie? Yeah, they kind of made him, like, snarky. And yeah, snarky. he's, uh, yeah, Pop witty. culture references. Funny how they actually cast the guy who played Deadpool, the only Marvel movie ever to gain an R rating. As Pikachu, who's like universally like the symbol of Pikachu. No, but that's like what they, he said they took it in, they, they yeah. made it more. Will like the a, character be, be breaking the fourth wall and like talk directly into camera? I don't know, I haven't watched because, it. Because yet, then, so I'm going to try to watch it this Friday. Because then the <laughs> character. <laughs> Hence. <laughs> no, then the character will peek at you. Whew. On that note, I, guys, you, I, He'll peek at I you. am your host. Ken Sinicles. I'm joined by Marie, the boss, and Jason, and we have Uncle Kin over here on the side and Asha behind the camera. Enjoying some chips. Uh, and we're having a little fun today, but the, our topic is uh, starts on a kind of a sadder tangent. Um, John Singleton, the award-winning and acclaimed director, died last year, or I'm sorry, last week at the age of like 51, I think it's yeah. 51 or 54. And then, uh, so today, in honor of him, we're going to talk about his career and his body of work and our favorite John Singleton movies. And that's why Marie's here, because that is one of Marie's favorite directors. Yes. Because we are roughly, well, you and I are the same age, but mm-hmm. John Singleton, he's six years older than us, so he can be considered a peer. Yeah, I, I yeah. You went I, to film school in part because of John, inspired by John Singleton, right? Well, no, I think that he came when I was in film school. Um, he first emerged on the scene, and I just found him to be such an inspiration. Because one, when I, you know, I'm always like, I do that deep dive when when something interests me, like a film or a per, an actor or whatever, and um, or criticism of or, your fellow coworkers. Or so, so I worked. I'm going to punch you. Sorry. That's I don't gonna ha- condone. That's I do not condone violence, but sometimes Jason really asks for it. <laughs> she she anyway. doesn't condone it, but I incite it, right? Any, any. <laughs> so I remember reading about this. You know, I was so impressed with Boys in the Hood, which came out in what year? Was it 1993? No, that was 91. 91. 91. 91. Speaking, yes. of, speaking of violence, ironically. Yeah, so I was, I was so inspired that I read up on it, and it's like, wow, the, the writer... Um, and director is this guy that just came out of USC film school. And I just felt like, you know, the, he told an amazing story that had not been told um, in such a gritty, gripping way. Um, and it really, 
transcended, you know, it was about where he grew up and the environment he grew up in, but it transcended all of that where it really, it had this mass appeal and really, you know, it, it, it really affected me, one, because I just felt like it, his writing and, and the way it was executed was so pure and the character development, there were so many iconic characters. That launched like, a career list, of so many people. And, it, and on the, yeah, yeah, on top of that too, he saw, you know, at the time Ice Cube wasn't a, a big Hollywood actor. He was a rapper, so that was yeah. kind of a breakout yeah. role for well, him. Regina King, who can forget that? Like she, that was one of her her first oh, yeah, roles. And yeah. look at her now. She's this amazing Oscar-winning actress. I always kind of defer Regina King's role in that movie just because Yo-Yo was so much more of like the focal point. You know, she had like the great lines, and she mm. she always had she had that like comedic back and forth with Ice Cube so many times. Wait, was it Yo-Yo? Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Yo-Yo. And Cube Gooding Jr. was in it too. Mm-hmm. That was not his first movie. A lot of people make the mistake. Is that Morris Chestnut? Morris Chestnut. Morris but Cube Gooding Jr. Ricky. Ricky. Sorry. <laughs> okay. We could go on reciting for, lines for, now. for purposes of of context and everything. She made all of us swear, specifically me, that we would not do voices. No, I didn't say it. Yeah. No, it's anyway. Yeah. Anyway, you're. Going but you know that. No, that that was a great. That was a really, really disturbing, arresting scene that so many people would replay mentally for years because they were like, wow, can you imagine what that would be like if your brother was like slain right in front of you and you had to like... But it also had elements of the classics and that yeah. was so brilliant about the way mm-hmm. that John Singleton wrote. I mean, like a Greek tragedy, right? He yeah. was the one destined yeah. for greatness. So, you yeah. know, it, it was so relevant to that day and age and what was happening in that community, but also it was just a classic storytelling at yeah. its finest. On that point, I, one of the things I really appreciated about John Singleton as a filmmaker um, like you said, I think he obviously he did all the directing. I think he did the majority of the writing, and I think he was his own director of photography, like a lot of the time. Because the opening scene of Boys in the Hood, you know, there's mm. there's that stop sign from Way, and he goes. And he wasn't the DP. I'm just sorry, I'm being a well, film well, geek. Well, no, but he. But as a director, that's what you do. He you had work hands on, with the yeah. DP. To but then the camera the like goes all the way up, and like it has this like you know it's it's slowing as it gets closer, and then it stops right in front of like the stop sign. There's no dialogue. There's no background music there's no background natural sound and everything it just goes on stop and it's so powerful and you know it's funny because like today what 30 odd years later um we're in instagram stories and we're doing snapchat and everybody's like trying to you know communicate visually and he really broke a lot of ground like like when you said when when morris chestnut got shot that whole sequence was in slow motion and he's not obviously he's not the first one to do stuff in slow motion but i mean so much of the way the story was told visually was lent so much to the impact of like and just how emotional that movie was and sometimes i think in this case or in the case of boys in the hood and some of his other work it's that that you let the the neighborhood was a central character as mm-hmm. well if you will and, and and it's it's simplicity right you let it speak for itself it's a telling way. It's not all about the dialogue or the over, which I think is is a mistake in a lot of, of films now between over the top effects or lengthy dialogue, corny dialogue. It just it was a story that just unfolded so naturally and organically. Compton was a central character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, and I think that's true too. Like it really, it's the first time we ever got that type of perspective into inner city. Uh, life, 
right in the hood i guess right and there were so many movies that followed that yeah i mean but that that's probably the movie that did it the best and i mean even though it was a predecessor to so many films of its kind like menace to society or Mm -hmm. similar films i don't think any film ever really captured that type of culture as well as Boys in the Hood, right? And I mean, he was like 24 years old when he made that film, which but is kind of crazy. He, he wrote to what he knew, right? Yeah. And then... Yeah. I, and Would you be... That's aspiring to any young filmmaker, I think, mm-hmm. like to, you know, I, I think it's like, I'm assuming a lot of filmmakers' dreams to cover their own culture their, or their own background mm-hmm. in a story and like present it to a wider audience, right? Yeah, so and I think like with, with me, I think when you're as a film student at the time i it it made, really made me feel like wow the, i can tell the story about where i'm from and and it can just be as interesting yeah. you know that yeah. i don't it be you just write what you know and yeah and I the way he's so impactful again yeah. we're, we're we're going over just what an amazing triumph of, of storytelling this was the movie was basically told in two parts there's there's trey and furious styles you know Cuba Gooding Jr. and Lawrence Fishburne, respectively, when they were young. And, like, Trade gets in all sorts of trouble, and his mom, um, why am I forgetting what is, who played I his mom? I forgot her name. She oh was, um, gosh. she was Tina Turner. No, she wasn't. No, no, no. That, yes, she was. Angela yeah. Bassett. Angela Bassett, thank you. Um, so, there's a time when he's living with Angela Bassett. She's divorced from Furious Styles. Trey gets in a bunch of trouble. She goes, you're going to go live with your father in the inner city, because I'm trying to go to law school and, you know, like, improve myself, and you're too much of a headache. So, he goes there. Fast forward, what, seven, eight, ten years, whatever it is and everything, and now he's a senior in high school, and, you know, Ice Cube just comes out of the pen, and, you know, it's the... So it's it's a classic coming-of-age tale. Yeah. You know, it's, there's, that's, that's just, it's a, a rite of passage, just like anything, like, like Star Wars, you could say, yeah. was a That having been said, though, I mean, we, we, we all have universal praise, and many people do for this film. What are parts of, the, of that movie in particular that don't hold up well to you. I don't know. I say nothing. I, I think say that movie's pretty good. There's one, there's one, there's there's one scene to me that was just a little bit too obvious and just, you know, it's a, it's a little too predictable. It's when, okay, so, you know, they're all studying hard and the recruiter from USC comes out to Ricky's house and he goes, you know, young man, you can be whatever you want. Oh, here's my tape. And what was funny about that that scene is that the little baby comes running out from the room. He's like, wah, wah, wah. and the recruiter's like, oh, is that, that your little brother? He goes, no, that's my son. And back then, like in the early 90s, it was still really, really weird for you to be in high school and have a child of your own. Of and you're speaking from where you're from. Yeah. But that's not the no, case. It was, it was disturbing. Pop, in, so in so what about that didn't so, you like? But then, no, but then the fact that... Um, that Ricky really had to apply himself and take the SAT because he goes, oh man, you know, like I'm, I'm really not good in, you know, with my grades. And he goes, as long as you get like a, what, an 850. Yeah. And then when Ricky is ultimately slain, they bring his body home, you know, he's bleeding out all over the couch and everything like that. The mail happened to just arrive that morning. And the first thing the mom does is, you know, her son is there just dead. And she walks over to the table, opens up the thing and it says, congratulations, you, you know, you've passed the SAT, you've been accepted, you know, as a Prefrosh to the University of Southern California. I thought that was a little bit too. No, but that, now I, I feel mean, like you're harping on the no, minu- no, that, on that the minutia. That was great. That was the only part of the movie that I just thought was it, a little. He too was a first time filmmaker. You're harping on minutia. That's like a little tiny scene. Everything else about that movie I don't is brilliant. Think I didn't negative. like Boys in the Hood because of that one scene. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't <laughs> like the movie. That's your accent. No, I'm just saying that that one scene that one scene was just sorry. I mean, to be 24 years old and be the youngest person ever to be. Amazing. nominated for the and director Oscar. for yeah. uh, that's 
I mean, okay, and we now can give him and that. to have a Hollywood budget film, it wasn't yeah. like you know now. It's commonplace. There's there's so many indie filmmakers DIY, and and again, you know, they they have the tools of the trade. But back then, I mean, yeah. he that was actually produced by what was the production? Was it New Line? Cinema? I think so. it might I be think it was New, New Line. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, think about what a, an amazing feat that was. So I don't think it's fair to harp on like a tiny little. It's not even a full scene. It was like one aspect of a scene that you're. But just that sequence, it was, and it's it. It it's obviously just, stuck with you. I mean, no, it's a powerful it's, it's, scene. It's, it's very emotional, scene. and it's played very, very well, and it's shot beautifully. It's just like okay, you know, that's a little. For me, it was like a little too obvious that you that you would do that. I mean, I can't even. I can't think, even think of, of a movie Ed. before that that the, like applied that. The ending yeah. of the movie is incredibly powerful because you know, um, the day after Ricky dies. Ice Cube's character, Doughboy, walks across the street from his house. Trey comes from his house. They talk in the middle of the street. Then he goes, and, you know, Doughboy's all, you know, despondent. Then he goes, man, I have no more brothers left. And he's like, man, you got one more brother left in this world. You still got you still got one. Then he goes, I thought okay. you were going to talk about the other iconic line, like, they don't know, they don't show, or they don't care about the hood. That, oh, yeah, there you go. See, but uh, just the fact that we're sitting here, how many years later? But right? then he turns like, around and then they fade decades. Ice Cube out. And then he goes, two weeks later, Doughboy, Doughboy was murdered in front of his house. And it's A like, movie that wow. came out like that long ago. Yeah, and we're recounting these like real specific details. Character, We know every character's name. We remember. That just shows what an iconic piece of work it was. Mm-hmm. What an iconic yeah. body of work. So. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. we're pretty much, that's our consensus. Okay, right now, now where he went at was, this is the part where we're going to completely diverge, because I believe his next project was Higher Learning? No, it was Poetic, Poetic Justice. Justice. Yeah. Yep. Poetic so, Justice came out before? Okay. Yeah. Yes, Okay. Okay, so, so chronologically, we'll do Poetic Justice. So Poetic Justice, it was his, it was kind of like an ode to... Women, I think. I think there was some criticism about the depiction of women and boys in the hood. So for a second project, which also amazed me because he took the works of of Maya Angelou and wove them into this story about a woman. And it was kind of... I really like that, how they have the running dialogue with poetry. It was a... I'm a a woman. Phenomenally. Phenomenal woman. Don't... That's me. Tread on a sacred cow. No, Don't it's a beautiful line. the poetry of Maya Angelou. I'm not butchering at all. Okay. I have nothing but high praise anyway. for Maya Angelou. And that was, it was, and the fact that they actually echoed that sentiment throughout the movie, yeah. which is what you were saying, no, oh, I thought it was every, brilliant. Because Justice was, she was a writer, and so all the poetry featured were the works of Maya Angelou. Yeah. And fun fact, Maya Angelou actually had a cameo in that movie. That's right. Oh. She was in The Picnic. She was, he had, there were three aunties. See, this is how you know I'm such oh, a John. No, 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 I'm like, okay. three aunties. Know. Auntie May, Auntie April, and Auntie June. All with all, all oh, the shirt, wow. right? The and Johnson were, family reunion. Yeah, they were See? at the, I don't know, was it John? Yeah. So, so they were at the picnic at the family reunion, and they were gossiping. Anyway, so that that's my fun oh, fact. That's crazy. I didn't even I know have, that. I have a critique on Poetic Justice, though. Oh, no, honestly, because I read the screenplay ahead of time. I, I thought was, we can't speak. I was so excited for this movie. I love Maya Angelou. I didn't feel like Janet Jackson knocked it out of the park. I didn't feel like she was that great of an mm-hmm. actress, and I also didn't feel like she she didn't embody what. The vision or the person that I had in my head when I read. I got crapped on by saying the scene with like an SAT score was a little bit obvious. She just knocked Janet Jackson. 
Wow. Yeah, but Janet Jackson's not that great of an actress, right? Whoa. Like, is she? It okay. was a very. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit over here just in case lightning comes down, and I don't want to get. I can't it, think it of what a, movie it was she's a, in. It was a difficult role to play yeah. too, because she was someone who just. Um, That's a good point. What, she what lost her opinion? her boyfriend tragically. She was really jaded. That was also Regina introverted. King. Regina King was her best friend. Yeah. And I, you know what I really loved about it too? I'm sorry, guys. I could just no, do it's okay. like a monologue. It's a, but the road trip. Now that we basically said Janet Jackson the, sucks. I, I went through a phase where I just loved road wow. trip movies, and the, the every I mean the the film was also designed to be that road trip movie. It was the progression because the road trip movie, you know, it's one, it's it's a literal road trip, but then you also show where the characters go from point A and mm-hmm. to point B, where between their relationship, how they grow. You know, as the whole movie takes place over two days, right? So, yeah. So, just yeah, that that built. I thought Tupac was phenomenal. I th- I really think Tupac would have been, an, at this point, if had he not been killed, he was he great would in have that been movie. an Oscar award Wait, who, actor. Who was the opposite? Who was the op- the actor opposite Regina King's love interest? Was it Alan Payne? No. No, it was like a comedian. I don't know. Joe Torre. May have been. I, 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 I believe it was Joe Torre. We, yeah. Yeah. Chicago. Yeah. And but you, they, they they went from what they went from South Central LA up to Oakland. To Oakland. They were going for yeah. a hair show. He was <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I wrote. You know, I'm like the. Can you tell she's watched this movie Tupac a couple times? Tupac was a postal worker, and and Janet Jackson was a hairdresser, and to, and Regina King knew Tupac's friend, and so they they found a way to get to the hair show that was going to save money. But they had to ride in the postal truck. And you know what I like? Also the fact that the soundtrack wasn't completely every single thing was by Janet Jackson. The song, again, was the was kind of like mm-hmm. the overriding yeah. love theme. Beautiful song. I don't know nice about song, that. Right? That was a good song. Yeah, no, yeah I, okay. I like Janet Jackson. I don't know about that. Honestly, no. I, for all I can like crit- critique about her acting... Her that song was amazing. Yeah, you know another. Wait, what, what else has Janet Jackson been in? Because Ken, Ken brought that. Up. She was in Different Strokes when she was. She a was in kid. like those Tyler Perry movies, was she? I which don't I don't really know. care I don't for remember. either. Oh. But you know, they also used. There was a great use of again. Everybody who's watching this is going to think I'm the biggest film geek after. But there was this. There was a really good scene, and actually Janet Jackson was good in this scene. I think where they played this Stevie Wonder song. And, you know, everyone loves Stevie Wonder, but I had never heard I'd Never Le- I never Dreamed You'd Leave in Summer. And mm. more than Janet Jackson's acting, because it was at a very solemn scene where she's kind of reflecting. She's on her own, and um, she's really sad and melancholy. But when they played that, it just, like, the words just made my skin. Like, I got goosebumps, because... If you listen to the lyrics in that song, it's just beautiful. Did Tupac have... He had one song, I believe, that was on the soundtrack. I don't... It was a a lesser-known song, but I believe it's when they were on their road trip. I don't know. I don't remember. Yes, we all all like poetic justice. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us more than others. Yeah. (laughs) 
What's up, fellow online addicts? I'm Asha, and it's literally my job to scour the internet every day to see what you guys are saying about our stories and to see what you're snarking on. If you got beef with a particular island issue, we'll give your voice an extra boost on trend spotting. It's our weekly rundown of everything that's got you buzzing and what conversations you can't look away from. From the serious to the silly, from ludicrous news to legit headlines, from the weirdest Instagram posts to the most retweeted stories to the insane DMs we get, we're going to show you the deeper side of what's making group chats, what's trending, and what you're sharing. So check out Trendspotting on YouTube, on Facebook Live, and on IGTV, all at KUAM News. If you've got something to say, we'll sound off. We'll find you. And now, back to your show right here on the KUAM Podcast Network. Okay, so now, then he did, Higher learning. in 1994, he did, no, 93, he did Higher Learning, which I actually really, really enjoyed because Marie and I are both high school class of 1992. Nin- the early 90s had, you know, this coming of age series of films like you had, you know, Higher Learning, where people went to college, you know, House Party 2 was all about going to a university. Um, uh, with Honors, with Brendan Fraser and Moira Kelly and Joe Pesci was about going to college like at Harvard um, a whole bunch of you know singles and everything was about being you know on your own and finding your independence um, higher learning I really really enjoyed because it showed the diversity when you go to like a big you know generic university he brought Lawrence Fishburne back as this old professorial you know wise person who was also very very street smart um, he brought Ice Cube back who was this like incredibly brilliant um, philosophy major apparently um, who they kind of you know tongue in cheek re- reveal it's like oh ha at the end of the movie reveal his name is Mr. White because he's so militant and he's kind of like the leader of a particular group of people and then you've got um, Michael Rappaport who's you know the, the doofy white kid who doesn't really fit in everywhere and winds up hanging out with um, what's that actor's name that you really like uh, Omar Apps? No um, from the supremacists the white supremacists um, he was in um uh, Why don't you look, look it up, up on IMTV? Cole Hauser. Cole Hauser. Cole Hauser. Yeah. And they just have all of all of these groups and everything like that. I, I thought it was Jennifer Connelly was there and you know she and um, yeah. Christy Swanson and they had this whole thing about, you know, like um, being kind of confused about their sexuality. And it, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought the death scene with uh, and, uh, Tyra Banks. Was, yeah. the tra- was the was the and female track fun star. fact, they were dating at the time. Who, Omar, <laughs> I know, like, Omar Epson? No, John Singleton and Tyra Banks dated for a time. Oh, oh wow. Okay, okay. So there's could be an entertainment. There's there's my there's from my, the nineties. There's my fandom right there. I thought I thought it was I thought it was wonderfully shot. I thought it was wonderfully told. I really like the the array of characters and the diversity. Why do you not like it? Because you have been steadfast all the years I've known you that you I do didn't not say like it. I film. didn't like it. It just wasn't my favorite because I felt like it tried too hard it tried to be too many things to too many people it really and maybe i mean in its defense though i could say i could see people saying well that's the way college is it's a bunch it's a melding of different i don't know i'm thinking like with the the way of the world right now with everything happening i maybe if i go back and watch it i'll like it a little bit more but at the time i just didn't feel like it was really reflective it really played on 
stereotypes and caricatures of different types of people. But I mean, I'll give it a watch again because I mean, maybe like in hindsight, or or, or maybe it, it it's still reflective of what's happening. But at the time, it just didn't feel authentic to me. It and felt- John Singleton again, he did you know his his brilliant visualization of of concepts you know the ending scene of the movie is Lawrence Fishburne you know going there with his cob pipe walking down you know those very hallowed mar- marble arguably you're a bigger John Singleton no, the, the very, you, w- walking you, down those you, steps you like remember details yeah walking down those steps you know out of a university um, library so he's walking literally out of a hall a tome of knowledge and then he goes from every mountainside and the camera pans up life freedom and then there's the US flag after there's been this horrific campus shooting and, you know, groups have to f- figure out how to come together. Christy Swanson, like, she shakes hands with Omar Epps. you should do a one act. What would be it would be cool? If you, maybe you should do, like, a one-man act of, like, reenactments of John Singleton movies. I would not mind. I, I know not, one thing I'm sing- not doing is I'm not crapping on Janet Jackson because, you you're know. Sing- I did not crap on Janet. I just said she wasn't the person yeah. I had in my head to play justice and poetic justice. And so I was disappointed. Be? Now it's been too now long. That you bring it up. I don't even remember who the act who's an the amazing actresses of the day. Tally. Like maybe Nia Long, who was in Boys in the Hood, or you no, know, Halle Berry was Halle Berry even around yet? I don't remember. I was gonna I say Halle Berry. It's perhaps, too so. far. Uh, yeah, and it's done. It's it's a work of you know, and and it, it was an iconic role yeah. for her. Like you, every a lot of people remember that profile shot of Janet Jackson. Okay, so we we agree to disagree on this, El Capitan. Well, I like higher. You, I like higher learning. You break the tie, huh? I like higher learning. Yeah. I I was young. I was like. In not even I was eighth grade or seventh yeah, grade when that came here. out. So, I mean, I I was like, oh, that's what college is like. That's crazy. Yes, he was exactly. I, I thought when I went to UOG, I was like, that's what college is gonna be like. No, and I, was, and I was like, man, look at Christy Swanson is in college. I, I to, can't wait you know, to go to college. When I, I went to college in the you know in the East Coast, and then I that's why I kind of felt like it was contrived because I'm like. It's not really reflective of my yeah. college experience, but it could have just been me. Like I don't know. I'll watch it again. I'm weighing. I, I, I thought it was okay. I liked it. Um, how about so he did a he did a bunch of other movies following that, but I liked the Baby Boy. I like Baby Tyrese. Boy. <laughs> it was, I thought it was gonna be so dumb, and you know, like it is kind of silly, but I actually thought it was pretty powerful and I guess satirical. But it really throws to the element of you know being uh, a single father or a young mm-hmm. man trying to you know find your path. And in, kind of the like world, a lovable you know? loser, right? Yeah. Like someone that just can't get it right, but they're a good... And I think, again, like what we were talking about with Boys in the Hood, that's something that transcends cult, like a certain type of culture or yeah. upbringing. It's universal. Yeah. Who doesn't know a guy like Jody? See, I yeah. remember I loved... <laughs> like. I really liked that movie. And to me, it was a great <laughs> comeback movie. because there were a couple of misses for me for him like before... Chef baby boy and so when that came back I said wow this is classic strong characters uh, Taraji P. Henson was amazing and we were talking about how that might have been this is pre like, and pre 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 empire yeah that yeah. shot her okay up you, to stardom I remember watching baby boy I saw it on on Cinemax one night you know because obviously it had a theatrical run and I caught it and I was like I was like wow my reactions to it at the time I was like man this is a long movie it's very very powerful Ving Rhames stole the show, I thought. Yeah. In a yeah. variety of, like, the love scene with Ving Rhames is, like, hopping across, you know, like, they're, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look that up on YouTube. We, you know, this is a family podcast. But that's, like, a, um, a lot of, like, guys with, like, single moms, they yeah. can attest to things like that, too. Like, having that stepfather that just... 
they hate and that they and don't the, feel treats their mother and well. And then at the end of it, he, he's like, you know, he's there, like, what, he's, he's working in the garden or something like that, and then... And then he, he's like, oh, you know, keep your head up, Jody. And he's like, oh, what do you know about this music? And, and then, you know, he, he makes peace with him and they find some common ground. But, but I also remember th- seeing this at this point. I was like, man, I like the movie. I really wish that John Singleton... He's good at, he's good at what he... Amazing at what he did at, at that point. Telling those stories from, you know, the inner city perspective. I was hoping he would have tried to tell, like, different stories at some point. Because I thought it was it was okay. It's you know. Wait, I'm are not you gonna... talking about within Baby Boy? No, or just like as in... oh, but oh, he, like overall. But I mean, did. I'm not. I mean, he. I mean, he did. He did fast, he, fast, he too did fast, fast, too fast. Well, there you go. No, because I'm, I'm also he thinking like like look yeah. at Peter Jackson, right? Before he became known as the guy who did the Lord of the Rings trilogy and King Kong, he did this super low budget, um, but amazing horror movie when he was still in Australia called uh, Dead Alive. Um, Spielberg did a bunch of projects before he, you know, again the, before he did Jaws and before he did Close Encounters of the Third Kind and before he did, you know, E.T. I and don't feel like he was like a one-trick pony. No, like, I didn't. I, but, but at that point, in career, I was like, okay, Baby Boy like was good, but I was like, man, you know, I would hope he would kind of broaden his range. I, I mean, think if he your did, first hit yeah. out of the is a home run, like if the first thing you ever did was like, and there's so much, and like, then uh, there's, you know, that's kind of like you can't be restricted to one story from where you grew up, or there's so yeah. many. Think about Guam, think about how many stories we can tell from different uh, about different people and different relatives, or and they'd all be different. And some of them, like Baby Boy, was it was more comedic, right? And Boys in the Hood was more of like a Greek tragedy. So it there's high uh, poetic justice is, was like a you know like a, a story of a, a redemption kind of or or like finding love again. So a love story. So there's you can't limit it to say oh just because we you know it was about the for sure. inner city and it was know, my own naivety. They were well, all unique stories. Why I felt that way because I was a fan of John Singleton's work and the way he made movies. I was like. I was kind of hoping he'd break into something else, which is why, and I know we'll talk about this at some point, when he made Four Brothers. <laughs> which is also another tale of, that's another And it's from the of, other side of the, but it's, the, it's not, the continent, you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's a different coast, area. Really, it's not the really East Coast, it's the Midwest. Oh, yeah, that's right. But that's, that's still, that's right. that How can you forget that? We've had hundreds of discussions <laughs> no, in the office. Mark Wahlberg, so I always think, oh yeah, Mark Wahlberg, yeah, must be Boston, from like Boston, right? but... Asha, who's working but the that just right shows now, how strong Four Brothers as well. His his characters were so yeah. strong that it didn't matter what the scenario, you know, setting was. They just had that mass appeal. Okay, and now you might you might think that he had like a series of misses or just not. I mean, maybe maybe Shaft was commercially successful, but not a lot of people like Shaft. Sure. First first of all, that's a really hard thing to do, which is take the Rudy Ray Moore classic. Was it Rudy Ray Moore? Richard Roundtree. Richard Roundtree. I'm sorry, Rudy Ray. Moore. Um, um, the Richard Roundtree classic and the song and and that whole ethos of, you know, the superhero in the inner city and redo it. And, you know, I mean, they great director, great actor in Samuel L. Jackson. It's just a lot of people just didn't buy it. Yeah, maybe phone that Reboots yeah, are Christian difficult. Yeah. Do you think, oh, on that note, do you think they would ever remake any of the John Singleton films? Like a Boys Ooh. in the Hood, like a new Boys in the Hood. Man, I hope not. I thought about this the other night. I hope <laughs> not. I would love to see a, a retelling of Poetic Justice, but with someone like Zendaya. Or Zendaya or Zendaya? Like Zendaya. Cost, cast as the... Because it was a... I don't know. I just think that... Fr- it was like a... It was a love story that I feel like it didn't... You could add like... 
you know, touches to modernize it a bit, but it transcends one period in time. I, now I think that would be a good choice too. I, I think, man, I think a lot of these movies could be remade. I, you know, I don't know if they should. You know should, who I would personally like to see play Janet Jackson's character in Poetic Justice? <laughs> who plays Gamora? Oh, Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. She's too old. She's too old for that role. Or how about the Valkyrie girl? What's her name? Tessa Thompson? Tessa Thompson. Oh, that'd be good. She might be good. Good actress. And wait, is she British or does she just put on a British accent? I don't, and... know, I don't know. Okay, can we talk? I, this is kind of on a tangent, but have were, you brought up the reboot thing, right? What are six? Can you name a successful reboot? Because none come to mine. A Star is Born. Duh. I just I answered my own question. But like. <laughs> oh, wait, is that a reboot or a remake? Because there's reboots, remakes, retellings, or, or are we it's just different? Well, accepting it's a re-whatever. It's a re-something of it. And yeah, I guess Star Wars. Well, I don't remember the older one, so man, I can't think of um, Or is it too soon to do a I think Yeah, I think if like we thought about it a little more. Didn't we do an episode? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Remakes. Let me go back and the podcast, <laughs> KUM Podcast Network Library, and look up what you guys said. But I always wonder about that. And that's something I do when I watch movies now. Like, if we were to remake this, who would I cast? Like, mm-hmm. it's a little game I play in my head. That, that would again, be being a really, film geek. really hard. Because John Singleton, again, his visual style was, was so unique to him. A lot of people are going to expect those scenes to be reshot almost the same. And if you didn't, they'd say, okay, well you're a terrible filmmaker if they just yeah. left it out and said I don't want to touch that because you know but that's see, my thing then they say okay well you screwed up because you didn't you didn't shoot that one scene like the thing with the stop sign or again you know, I don't want to I don't want to harp on what you're feeling because that's the connection you have but I for me personally I don't really feel like the beauty of of what he did with the stuff that we like that I liked was in the cinematography per se I thought it was more the storytelling the character de- character development so it's not so much the the visuals but but obviously different things speak to different people they speak to you and i don't know you could look up who who if he used the same cinematographer for all of his films or if he switched it up but to me it's it's just that strong character development because that's some you, of the best dialogue you remember yeah. every name i mean if we if we did a trivia quiz right now You'd remember every name of every character in Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, you know, but higher Little learning. Chris was, was the yeah. kid who you know, had, had, had like the jerry curl he's running around and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, he's, he's got like the, uh, he's got the baby pacifier and he's like, oh wait, I got to check him with my parole See, officer and he's in a wheelchair. Know, and you know what caused that? Excellent character development yeah. Yeah. from the page to the film. And it was, and John Singleton pulled no punches. It, like a lot of the stories he told were not pretty. They were very, they were very, very sad. They were, but you know, that's real life. Did you guys ever watch Snowfall? It's it, he. Uh, that was his. He, he was that the one with Chris Evans? No, it no, it, it no, was a Snow recent Piercer. one. Snowpiercer, I'm sorry. The, no, um, Snowfall was a, it was about the the crack cocaine epidemic, the beginning of it in in um, Los Angeles. It was no, a television mm. series. Can we skip I, ahead to Four Brothers? <laughs> yeah, you mentioned Four I Brothers. Mean, well, well, no, but, yeah. but we we must we must pay tribute. Four Brothers is my favorite John Singleton movie. That's my favorite John Singleton movie. That's it's the one, one I've seen the movies. most. It's one of my favorite I like movies. it. I don't yeah. think it's like better than Boys in the Hood. It just, you liked I it just, the most. I just like it. I just got Mark Wahlberg, so I'm already like, all right, Mark Wahlberg's in the movie. I love the dynamic, yeah. right? Between and them. I think like, like even Terrence Howard's in it. Like I think, yeah. what's the guy who plays the villain or the main bad guy? The one uh, whose name we can never... Dude, the guy, the guy's won an Academy Award for, for 12 years Chiw- of slave. Chiwetli Aikafor, whatever his name is. Yeah. Aja Four, whatever his name is, has him. And that was before and he, he was, was good. like... 
before 12 years yeah 12 years of slave dogs gotta eat right (laughs) eat (laughs) did you tell him Again, outside shooters. Outside shooters. Outside shooters. For your next. What did I say? Bonus podcast. Out of town shooters. Now, what do I have? In town shooters. In town cops. You know what we should have done? You should have made an interactive, like, trivia game where you just recite dialogue and people have to say what movie it's I would would say Four Brothers, probably the most quotable. And, you know, I've always looked at Four Brothers not as a drama, not as an action. I've always seen it as, like, a really good murder mystery. And just the fact that they take, okay, Mark Wahlberg is obviously the most accomplished actor, right? But you got Mark Wahlberg, um, Tyrese, who's you know, I mean, okay, he's he's done a few projects, but he played Angel. He's good. He's good if he's cast in the right role. You've got Garrett Hedlund. Garrett Hedlund, who that I mean, if that guy retired today. Give that dude a, uh, walk, Wait, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Wait, was that Sofia Vergara in it? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, I just realized that. Okay, but Garrett Hedlund, right? I mean, he played Patroclus in Troy. Opposite um, Brad Pitt, or next to Brad Pitt, because he was the, the nep- or cousin who died. Then he played um, Cracker Jack in Four Brothers. Then he played Tron. Yeah, the guy in Tron. And now he's on Netflix, and, and he's in, um, was it, Triple, Triple Frontier. Yeah, sure. And, and dude, that guy just ripped now as the MMA guy. I liked, I liked Four Brothers. I thought it was... It's the really most quotable, cool. I yeah. think. We talked about. We talked really, about, you think so? Then Boys in the Hood I mean, it says has the man who brother, like. <laughs> like it has just like that brotherly dialogue. No, right? I like it. It's a corny so, movie yeah. too. There's a, there's a, and I, I really we've talked about this. I really feel that there's a lot of parts that I swear Mark Mark Wahlberg had to have been. Improvising. I mean, that's his action movie, right? I mean, like that's John Singleton's yeah. action film. And he also yeah. cast Andre Three Thousand, which it's like okay, you know, he his star was on the rise. He was he was huge with Outcast. I did not think Andre 3000 was very good in that movie. He's since been become a See, very good actor. He played Jimi Hendrix and impeccably, but in Four Brothers, he wasn't terribly good. And I think right. maybe that spoke to like John Singleton in cast. I mean, again, I don't know what casting director he worked with, but but um, you know, he casts a lot of people who are huge figures in pop culture, like, and they weren't always necessarily the the biggest or greatest actors and actresses. Sometimes it worked like Therese, Tyrese, sorry, not Therese, Tyrese. But um, like I, I didn't, I didn't think Janet Jackson was the best choice. Uh, Tupac was excellent. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg was in Baby Boy. Yeah. He was great in yeah, Baby Boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, even Tyra I Banks, Snoop. I didn't, I didn't like. No, as Tyra much. Banks was terrible in Higher Learning. See, <laughs> we can agree on yeah, something. No, Ty- that, Tyra that Banks. Yeah. So, so sometimes it worked and it didn't, what but he always me? had that Why relevant. Why would you me? Why would you tell me what you think? I was like, okay, overacting. You really? Is it just Tyra. John Singleton? Or, or can you do that with? Oh no, you do that also with the Godfather movies. He's great at oh, reciting. He can do every every movie yeah. that's uh, as long as it's before 1990s. I'm telling you, do a one man show. I want you to use all your powers and yeah. all your skills. You have like this impeccable I don't want to gift. Like this. Maybe it's all those years of working at Blockbuster. Look what you did to my boy. The Blockbuster <laughs> alumni. Thank you. Two of us. <laughs> Alumnus. So how about a? Oh, you're a Blockbuster guy yeah, too. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. Blockbuster. Yeah. Uh, you guys yeah. ever worked there at the same no, time? No, I did not. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Daddy Dollar. You meet Cole, up right? again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been Jay and Silent Bob. Okay, no, four, four brothers. Also, I don't have cable anymore. But at one point, when I, when I was still in my old apartment, you put on TNT day, night, afternoon, late night, whatever. Four brothers. Or Predator, 
or sniper is on. Yeah, that <laughs> was in four, heavy rotation. Four, I, I, no, I swear, this one night, they did like a Four Brothers marathon. It was the same movie nine times but back it's to a, back. But it was a type of movie that you can watch at any point in the film and not feel... You didn't yeah, have to like watch them start... Just yeah. because it was such a great dynamic. But, but the, the one redeeming quality, and I credit this specifically to John Singleton about Four Brothers, is they took those four actors. You got Garrett Hedlund, Mark Wahlberg... Andre 3000 and Tyrese and he really emphasized and he stressed the fact it's like hey you guys really have to sell this concept that you guys are these four miscreants who this old lady brought together and you guys are even closer than blood brothers they say it so many times in the movie it's it's like it's like hey man I wouldn't knock on my brother either and that kid's like looking around he's like you guys are brothers he's like, yeah this is my brother Cracker Jack this is my brother Angel and the guy's like but they I mean they really drove that point home how these guys would give their lives for each other yeah mm-hmm. I liked it I liked it too. Bobby! <laughs> Jack, come on, man. Half, Bobby, of, half or three quarters of this podcast is going to be. That also had Taraji B. Henson. Re- she, she was Andre 3000's wife. No, lines. So, the, I mean, he did a couple more. John uh, Singleton did a couple more movies, right? Like, uh, Hustle and Flow. And Which then, he was just a producer, I think. No, or, he, oh, he, he didn't, didn't direct that. Direct it. And yeah. uh, Black Snake Moon, did he direct that one? I thought he directed that one. Oh, he was that his? That, I, I don't think he directed that either. Uh, wait, we, we, and we completely skipped over Too Fast for Two Furious. That was my least favorite of the Fast and the Furious movies, I gotta say. I don't even remember because I'm not a it's huge not my least fan favorite, of the But franchise. it's one of my least favorite ones from uh, Fast and the Furious for sure. I remember You're the biggest Fast and the Furious fan in, in the company, but would you say... Am I the biggest Fast and the Furious yeah, fan would, in would the you, company? Would you say wow. that's consensus though? Like a lot of people just do not like part two? No, I. This, I uh, Tokyo Drift part is part two, actually. That's right? the only one that. Vin, that I Vin like Diesel Tokyo is not Drift. In. Who so. directed that one? I don't know. <laughs> right, that's the, the Justin Lin. Part two is the only one that, that Vin Diesel is not in, and they also replaced. Yeah, and Paul Walker's not in it too. To- Tokyo Drift is uh, the one with. No, that. part two. Paul Walker is in. No, he's not. It's in. Paul Walker and Tyrese. No, or that's Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, Too Fast, Too oh, Furious. Yeah, there's Tokyo there's Drift is not that poster. one. Yeah, and they and they replaced um, Ja, oh, ja Rule with Ludacris. Yeah. As the IT guy. Wait, no, no, no. Ja Rule was never the IT guy. Ja Rule was the racer in part oh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Cole Hauser again. Ashi, you're a big fan of the, the franchise, of the Fast and the Furious? No? No, because oh. Chris Hemsworth is not in yeah. it. So. <laughs> what is that? Do you remember Asha? Okay, I'm looking at one. I'm, I'm looking through Jason's notes. And it got a terrible Rotten Tomatoes score, abduction in 2011. But it has the guy, yeah, Taylor the Jacob Lautner. guy, Taylor Lautner. Team the, Jacob. Yeah, the movie's I trash. I don't think I've ever watched that. It, uh, was it the one that had to do with the phone book? For some reason, I remember the preview, a phone booth. Did I say phone book? There is I a meant, phone booth. No, yeah. that's the one with Colin Farrell. But no, I don't think I've ever seen that one. I don't. That movie's yeah. trash. You know, everybody has missteps in their career. Yeah, that is not Even a good we've movie. had some duds among the things we've produced here at KOA. Wait, oh, John so. Singleton made that movie? That's one of his movies? Yeah. Yep. Direction. Oh, wow. Oh, dang. I didn't know that. No, I've wow. never seen it. Okay, so now, now that unfortunately John Singleton um, is no longer with us, um, he's left us, what is his lasting legacy in both of your opinion? Like, what is. When people look back on his work in like 30 years, they're either going to say he was known for. I think the fact that he could tell stories that were so authentic and real and really no frills, um, you know, they're just so pure and his characters uh, were so well developed um, that we remember every like every name of every character to this day. Right. They just stay with you. Um, I think that's 
um, to me, that's his legacy. And then also the fact that, you know, he was this young guy that came out of film school. I think it for any aspiring filmmaker, it shows that, you know, if you're true to your craft and what you want to do, that you can, you know, you can succeed and, you know, reach. And he wasn't just some kid off the street. Dreams. I mean, he went to USC film school, mm-hmm. so he, he has a pedigree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But who, who are some of the other uh, incredibly well-known USC film film school grads? I know uh, he's not he's not a really known as a filmmaker, but Will Ferrell went there. Yeah. Um, no, there's a lot. You're putting me on the, on the spot. Do you guys do you know? No. Off the top of your head. Would you say that? I mean, not to not to marginalize. I mean, marginalize is the wrong word. But would you say that because of the state of the of the country in the early '90s, around like '92, because you had you know the East Coast West Coast you know rap battles that he kind of gave the West Coast experience and you know the whole south central la thing he gave that community and that culture like a voice the same way that spike lee did for the east coast no i think it's apples and oranges i think he just wrote what he knew and he told these real authentic stories that Mm. transcended you know being from one area or region or yeah i agree i think we're just very fortunate to have had somebody like him to showcase that type of environment and struggle you know i mean it led it led the way for you know other directors and people to you know kind of explore that genre a bit more or that that setting so i mean i think that's going to be his legacy you know he did boys in the hood it's like the typical story of the young black man's plight in on the west coast right and like I'm, that's going to be forever associated with him, I think. Like, that's, you know, I mean, it's not the only thing he ever did. Right? He obviously, obviously did so much good, good uh, or he, he obviously did so many movies, but, you know, I think certainly that's going to be one of the ones that have had the biggest impact, you know, like, from that point on. Like, I can't think of a movie before that that really showcased that. So, you know, but I can think of many after, after mm-hmm. right? like so, immediately after, yeah. right? It kind of set off like a trend. I know trend it was like two years, like or the next year was Menace to society. society. The year after that's like Dead Presidents or whatever. Well, I mean, even though that's not like really no, that's, South Central that's, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess that broke it. down a lot of stereotypes of people. You know that you didn't really get to know the characters like you did in that film. Tremendous filmmaker, though. Yeah. Real real big loss. Really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, guys, I think that will do it for today's episode of Real Talk. As always, you can catch us every Tuesday on the KUAM Podcast Network or here on Facebook or if you're watching this video. Uh, once again, thank you to our sponsors, Tango Theaters, where you can watch Detective Pikachu, the new Pokemon movie, this weekend. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>